Today on Talk About That, we celebrate our 200th show by welcoming in special guests Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin from the Dadville Podcast. Together we spend an hour talking about old songs, creativity, legacy, and weed eating as an art form. Today's episode is not sponsored by cats. If you own one, you also own a box of poop. Let's go. Hey guys, it's your favorite part of Monday. It's Talk About That. I'm John here with my buddy Johnny. What's up, man? Hello, friends. It's uh, great to have you guys along today. Johnny, that was, a, that was quite like that? the uh, welcome. Gosh, yeah. just, you know, that was the most Monday. I was going fireside meetings. chat. Well, we've, listen. Hello, First friend. of all, I'm in like a nondescript government building in my shot. You guys all have instruments and things behind I was going to say, if you, I'm if just you like, can, I'm just like, if you can get help to me somehow. I was going to say, please. not if you're in trouble. It's just like, yeah. I was trying to get the lamp in the shot. Well, it's it's like a glow. Good. It still feels oh, yeah. like. No, it looks like a cool lamp. lamp. It's yeah. not. It is it's still very industrial, though. It does. Okay, I'm sorry. You're either in a prison or at like a new urban outfitter somewhere. <laughs> Which some would call the You're not going to believe these <laughs> deal I got on these jeggings. They... <laughs> I don't know if there's a place. My my dilemma, I know this is where I wanted to go with this, so I'm just going to yeah, take it. Sure. My dilemma with urban outfitter, I literally thought one time, I was like, their music uh, uh, programming sounds like Let's get 16-year-olds to send in their demos, mm-hmm. but yeah. only if they've never played music or written a song before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every yeah. time I've walked I through, I haven't been in years since COVID, but it was just like, I can't, there's a world where somebody decided this was the music to play in here. And maybe it is demos, though. I mean, this is Nashville, so it could be this just like, hey, just put on like, hey, maybe we'll well, get my, some cuts. My complaint with Urban Outfitters is whenever I'm in there, I cannot tell who works there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they want. Everyone and no one is helpful. Okay, so it's kind of annoyed that I'm there, and I I just need help and no. Yeah. I go up to someone. They're like, I don't work here. I don't. Yeah, but like, I'm surprised how many dilemmas. Like how many dilemmas do you have? There's to a have lot of. We have a lot of problems with our not a sponsor today. You know, sponsor. you know, a weird um, superpower one of my best friends um, has is he. For a long time, his sort of weird superpower was that no matter what cl- men's clothing store he was in, people yeah. always thought he worked there. Huh. And I saw this happen, and I'm not being facetious double digits amount of times. I would be with him. He's like, hey, sir, I'm so sorry. And he's like, oh, I don't work here. And then he, he just looks he finally like just guy. stopped. Well, he just stopped. He's like, let's go find it. And he just, he's like, <laughs> I'm just tired of saying that. No, if you need anything else, that's yes, a 36. I mean, if you need a 38, <laughs> we can crank you back up. Yeah, that, that happens yeah. to me at Walmart. I don't know what that says. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like uh, same for me at Jiffy Lube. It's like, <laughs> I just whatever, man. I put on Four some Hooters. Hooters for the guy. I'm Honestly, trying to help. Hooters happened last Hooters week. I was trying to help. I was there ministering. By here's the, way, the judge. Here's the deal, though. You got. I don't know how old you guys are, but I grew up in the era of like DJs, Chess King, in the malls, and there was a store called Merry Go Round. Ooh. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. okay. you'd go in and one side of the wall was men's clothes and one side was women's clothes. Mm. Everything's like rayon and shirts yeah. or blousey. Flammable. Even on men, they're, they're very, yeah, like go up like flash paper if a spark yeah. <laughs> And so I'm on one side, I'm like, I like this purple shirt. I'm going to go. And then I realized this is a woman's, I'm holding a blouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm on the wrong side of the store. I've wandered over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm holding a sequined belt. Yeah, that era where everybody was wearing like very loud, yeah. like rayon, silky kind of shirts. Hammer and pants. they were all very big. That was a very androgynous time. It was. If you were trying yeah. to pick out a, a button-down silk or rayon shirt, it, all of them were fair game. Yeah. Right? Z-Cav- remember, it was a very Z-Cav Richie time. I mean, oh, living Z-Cav. color was. That was, the that was what everyone was wearing. It yeah. was. Jim Carrey cut his teeth on purple rayon. He really did. Oh, literally. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe. <laughs> Probably could have. 
<laughs> we didn't we didn't introduce our guest, John. We just rolled right into it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, guys, what you're dealing with professional. You, what kind of show you're dealing are you running with professional over here, podcasters? Okay, yeah, we're gonna jump in and just we're gonna we're just right in. the We hit the hard issues, didn't we? Went yes. straight to it. Yes. Yeah, I think we got what we need. You guys need a couple of outros, and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do let's do treat a couple of ads and get out of here. Stamps.com, everybody. No, we're not. <laughs> oh, that's we used good. to go to the post office once every two months and now, yeah, no. and now hey, you remember the post office? <laughs> Your grandmom does. Yeah. Hey, we do want to welcome our special guest today. It is Mr. Dave Barnes and Mr. John McLaughlin. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Oh. Pleasure oh, to be that was here. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we're just applause. following Johnny. Are y'all on our podcast or are we on y'all? So, you should, you ask moment. us anything you want to know. Can I actually ask you a question? I'm being yeah. serious. Can I ask you? Okay. John asked me this question. John, I haven't, I, I need to give you credit for how many times I've asked people this in the last week because I think this is one of the best questions I've ever been asked in my life. So we were doing like a one off just the two of us for Dadville. And he, and John had prepped the questions, which was so amazing because John is like one of the best question asker in the history of time and he said and i can't laugh without it i've thought about this question so much and i'm posing it to y'all okay what is the one thing that you are irrationally confident about <laughs> how oh. great is that question yeah, i've thought about that question wow, so that much a good one isn't it great let me let me you know give what's you funny a- is that since i've asked you that dave since i had that question i have thought like all right well is there anything that i'm rationally confident in? oh yeah 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 no, all the things i'm confident in are like yeah, there's well, no, no there's no yeah, the, uh, I, I i was talking <laughs> to one of our really good friends one of our friends who's a mom and and i and i asked her that and she's like and she without batting now she's like how many kids i can fit in the van and i was like this is exactly the answer <laughs> oh I'm yeah i've got for. one of those yeah i've got something like that do you know what i mean like because because yeah. at first when you hear it you're kind of like i don't know and then it's it's I, it is one of my favorite questions i've ever heard in my life i think about it and i love asking people because it elicits some really amazing Amazing responses. <laughs> Mine's gonna be yeah. really weird, but Johnny, you go first. Well, I think when you said that about kids in the van, I think when we used to be in a John and I were in a band together, and I think I was I was the packer. I knew like, all right, there's all this yep. crap yes, out on there the we go. thing. And but you like all, you gotta have it will that fit. Guy. Going, there's no way this all fits. I go, <laughs> I don't think you understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I got this. <laughs> I play a little Tetris <laughs> and I know what I'm yep. doing here. Yeah. And uh, I would, it would always fit. Uh, yeah, and then we'd yeah, have to yeah. take it all out because the van drank oil, and we'd have to. The, and it was uh, one of those vans where the engine was under the seat. Under the seat. Remember the old Toyota vans? Oh, dude, do so I? We'd have to take all the gear those? out and flip the Bro. the seat back to oh, put I knew oil that. in it. You so. sat on that thing too long as a kid, and your yeah, rear you was get on grill the marks Fuego. for sure. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's no good. Yeah. No good. But so, yeah, so for, for sure, I was the packer. I knew how to like fit everything. I could look at like a heap of junk and be like, this will all fit, and we're going we're gonna to get to Tulsa. Because yeah. <laughs> I've got four quarts of oil in tow. Tulsa. To stop it's always guns. Tulsa. It's always it? Tulsa. Tulsa. Why is it always Tulsa? <laughs> we use more oil than gas. In that we did. Oh, God, those days, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what so about you, my, John? Yeah, well, so this is weird. It's really weird, but so I was raised uh, doing commercial lawn care. Okay. And like, I am irrationally confident about my ability to weed eat. Oh, yeah. Oh, I John, love this. Oh, yeah. I John talks like, trash about weed eating like no like, other. Like, I can hear people outside. And my, my wife <laughs> you can hear whether they're doing it wrong? Like, that yeah. guy. No, no, I can tell about the RPMs of the small engine. I'm like, no, no, no. What are you no, doing? Are you serious? No. Oh, yeah. You so can hear like, RPMs? constantly seeing, like, trim along yards and being like, oh, they botched this it over guy. there. Yeah, it's like rookies, amateurs. You call that edging? Get out what of here. Yeah. And it's very, like, 
like guys in my in my heyday, like I could take a single petal off a flower with a weed eater. Like it is super sad. Is it like stupid. a? Is, it's like, like snatching it, a it, pebble from the hand. It's like a. <laughs> was it one of those where like the string is like life. huge? You know oh. what I mean? Yeah. Like John used the handlebar like one too, like the weed eater with oh, the handlebars yes. off to the side. So you can get the whole oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. sway yeah. going. We, we had this like, okay, this is getting really nerdy, but we had like this, I had like a, like a 42 CC engine. Like my dad, we had Gosh. these huge oh. apartment complexes and stuff. Right. So a big engine. And yeah, I had the handlebars <laughs> and the, the heads on this thing. I can make like almost a two foot swath. Yeah. You, you know, can do almost as much as the mower. mower. I've seen you walk yeah. behind a mower and do almost as much as the mower is doing. There were times when my mower at my, my last house my mower was so old, I didn't want to start it. I would just weed eat the yard. Just, oh. just, just take it, and, and I could do it faster. Yeah. Hey, so, listen, I think the quote maybe of the week of that the month for me is, I could take a, week, I could take a single leaf off. <laughs> I don't want to brag, guys, but uh, I mean, hey, you see that? Hey, he loves me. He loves me not. How about that? How about that right now? Listen, that, I just lady? want to say, like, if the – that that kind of confidence, uh, one, but two, uh, I really envy that. Like, I yeah. take a lot of pride. Like, me and John love yeah. our yards. Oh, it's yeah. one of the things we really love. And man, when I've given it a good like tr- like edging, oh god, oh, the, the power, edging is like, everything. But I tell what, man, everything. I'll drive by these commercial landscapers and they're cutting yards, and those guys who know how to use a weed eater, it is a it is a beautiful thing to watch. Like they yeah. flip it, they do the side, they go, and it's just oh. like, ugh. and I tell you what's even crazier. I found there's this huge um, trend on TikTok and Instagram where people will like lawn care guys that are good at edging will just they'll do a yard and they'll get millions of watches because it's so therapeutic for people. Like this is a real thing. John, like, people you, this will is, watch a this guy. This is how like, you go viral, buddy. I need, what, what have I been doing this whole time? This well, you can share the gospel of, while you do it too, Jake. Oh you can take TikTok is like, like yelling guys, over the motor. How do we get hey, more middle-aged gra- dads to get on TikTok? The grass fades, and so do we, my friends. Yeah, we and you just go into there it. There it wow. is. But like, there's there's an account that like it's just a guy pressure washing professionally, and I oh, and I'm I was listen. That. It got me both of those accounts. Yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. Next, this is the dump. Yes. Next, why am I what next? Like. It's it, it, it is just like our now life. the algorithm has you and you're the oh, pressure bro, wash guy. It's toast. It's all they ever Which send I'm like, you. Man, if it's gonna have me, that's a very safe algorithm to get. Started. That's true. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. True. No oh, chance God. of that going R rated on you. It's weird. Let me tell you, you watch one time. video with Jabba the Hutt, and all yeah. of a sudden you're just getting a bunch of Carrie Fisher in bikinis. That's just that's yeah. How that goes, that's folks. not what I asked for. That's what. That's not what I came here for. But that's what I'm getting. You know. That's great. That's I think great. we're good. I think that's that it, guys. That's okay. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, we <laughs> talked about. That. We get the next guest. We gotta here? have covered everything by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey guys, uh, just excited to have you today because they're musicians, songwriters, hosts of an incredible podcast called Dadville, and that's where I got to meet you guys actually because yeah, yeah. you graciously interviewed me and my co-author Reggie Dabs on our book uh, about racism in America. And uh, kind of thought you were jerks, but I thought I'd give this, I was going to give it a second chance. Like, you know, yeah, hey, yeah, let's yeah. see, maybe we can connect again and right all the wrongs from that yeah. one. So actually, really it was. Yeah, I wasn't was. invited on. I know I'm not a dad, but I wasn't invited on at all, which hurt my feelings. I had to go on Dadaville, which is a philosophy <laughs> podcast. And bro, it is dark on there. They just go down the rabbit hole. Dada we are Bill. fighting with them on domain names. <laughs> Don't you think you should? Left yeah. and right. It's, a, it's okay. okay. Their emails so, are so Dave, long. I listen. I got a Dave Barnes story because I saw you 
opened for Johnny Lang, maybe? 15 yes, years ago? Yes, yes. At a theater in Atlanta? Yes. And a buddy of mine, who's John's brother-in-law, is, was super into you. Oh, my gosh. He was the opener? Oh, my gosh. He's amazing. I was like, yeah, he was really great. And then, then uh, I moved to Nashville in 2007. And uh, by then, you had a few records out and were doing well. And you were even on radio some. And, uh, and then our, somebody told me, hey, you know, Dave Barnes is doing stand-up now. And I've been doing stand-up like a year and a half, two years. So eight times. And because uh, <laughs> that's how your first year of stand-up goes. But I was like, what? No way. Because I knew that you were like funny between songs and stuff and that you had like a good rapport and everything. With can, I, can that just be a descriptor of me in just, general? It's just yeah. funny between songs. Funny between songs. That's I the name that of your, that's be your stand-up record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, I was almost like, what is this guy doing? Come on, man. So I went down to the bell court where you did oh. your, you remember this? Yes. So I go down to the show, and uh, I got to tell you, my friends all wanted to go. And I was furious because you were really <laughs> funny. And, uh, and I've never I, really – I don't know. Really, was that, do you, really do you remember go. if that was the first time I did that or the second time? I think, so, I think it was the first. It was a Christmas time thing. Bro, I have never in my life – I told somebody I was yesterday, I, I was talking to some friends about this because they were asking about it. Uh, the, the first time I ever did, like, legit, like – and uh, one, I think my set was like an hour and 15 minutes, which is just obscene. Like, what am I doing with my yeah, life? Yeah, I was like, this is self-indulgent. Uh, well, I just didn't know. bother no, me. me. No. <laughs> well, here's the truth, though, Johnny. I, I did that because I thought of it like music. I'm like, hey, yeah. people paid this money. You got to give them a full show. Right, I didn't realize that that's not how it works. But my manager, uh, one of my managers walked downstairs, and we still laugh about this to this day. And she said, I turned the corner, and you were so terrified like i've never seen you before or since be so scared like i was yeah. absolutely like why well, it's a different element right you're a different oh, yeah i was i've never in my life been that scared before or this after. is right before you were about to go out on yeah stage. like because it was like a sold out <laughs> show at the bell court my yeah. first legit stand-up show yeah and it was packed and i was like what yeah. am i doing what am yeah, I to, uh, me, I to me the thing about stand-up comedy which i've never done before but i mean when i'm on stage we we were actually just interviewing Michael W. Smith and talking to him about, you know, what is it about a show that that you need? Like, mm-hmm. is there anything when you get on stage, what are the things that you need to feel like the show is going well? And for me, I need to make the audience laugh. Like yeah. once I make them laugh, then my shoulders drop. It's like hitting, like, you know, scoring a, a basket in basketball. It's like, once right. you get that first shot, see the ball like, go through the hoop. Right, you're good. There we go. Yeah, yeah. and that's, oh, that's how the point. basketball guys talk about it, John. That that exact terminology. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Once you can tell you he's in, order it. in the hoop, you score the basketball. The basketball players say the same thing. They Touchdown. say, they say, listen, if we don't score any points, but we made the audience laugh, guys, <laughs> we're going places. Harlem Globetrotters. And that's why com. the Lakers are terrible this year. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, they're taking dude, that. Thank you for coming out, folks. No, but with with stand up comedy, it's like. You there is no nothing to like bail out to right like yeah. I, if I I'm trying I'm gonna try to make the audience laugh but mm-hmm. I can I can dive into a song you can pivot yeah yeah there is no pivoting it's just you and a microphone yeah. and and terror. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm more comfortable than I ever have been I've been doing it full time since 2012 and I started in 08 but it's like I remember. Yeah, when you first start, it's terrifying. And the real the real reason is because I've been in bands with John and and uh and we so you have each other to lean on. You're like, all right, I'm having an off night. John's got me on these harmonies though, or this right, song is good right. enough to get me out of the hole that I'm in. 
Yeah, you know what yes. I'm saying? Totally. But with your jokes, it's like you're completely alone and you're totally exposed. Yeah. And if they don't like it, they don't like you. Yeah. It's you yeah. that they don't oh, like. Oh, yeah. There's nowhere to point that. So it's very – it is a very different vibe. Well, uh, you know, the, the thing that I learned that night literally at that show was, oh, boy, I didn't think they would laugh here and I've still got a minute left of this story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that was a vi- – that Having happened top, probably laugh, 10 times. It's in the middle. Yes. Yeah. That happened 10 times that night. I was like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that that could be funnier than where I'm going with this. And then you're like, well, here's the, let me. So anyway, she met her husband, fell in love. So the next story I want to tell you, you know, everybody's kind of like, well, it, that was a huge lesson. The other thing that I, I like to John's point, McLaughlin, all of you are John's, and we all are in our own ways. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, is that there is like, I remember watching the Seinfeld documentaries, uh, stand up or comedian, comedian, comedian. And, um, realizing like, you know, Sting can, well, we talked about this. We had Bargazzi on and, and we were laughing at this, but like, um, I was laughing about this and I was talking about how Sting can walk into a club with a song and say, Hey, can I play you guys? This, you know, the, the, like, you know what, what uh, Seinfeld does in that show where he comes, you know, walks on the Carolines or wherever, like yeah. the show's done. Then, Hey, Seinfeld, you want to hear him do five minutes. And, you know, but if Sting does that, comes in with his guitar and the song can be terrible. It can literally be like, it could sound like the Barney theme song, but because it's Sting's voice and it's his guitar and it's his, aura it's still it's redemptive you're like it's still sting and his voice the song was terrible guy just hearing his voice hearing his guitar playing it just affects him seinfeld goes in and bombs people are just mad there's nothing redemptive about comedy that's not funny and i think like that that's what's so intimidating is you realize with john and i you know and you guys when you were touring the world especially tulsa the local tulsa area uh, (laughs) you know you can have a bad night but there's something people are gonna like it's not just bad you know what I mean? Like right. they loved one song or you all nailed the harmonies. And there's something that kind of everybody's like, ah, oh, but that, you know, yeah. comedy, man, it's, if it's not funny, people are not just not entertained. They're angry. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like people don't, it's, it's rare you leave a show, a music show where you're like pissed. Like every yeah. now and then if it's really bad or the guy yeah. is a diva or, you know, like. Or if Axl Rose started a riot in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they don't play all their hits or whatever. Yeah. You're, you're going to leave pretty mad. But I don't think it's a very common thing you leave music shows like mad, you know. But boy, you can leave stand up shows mad. Like you mm-hmm. can be like that was a waste of money or he just wasn't funny or whatever. Um, well, I thought so, it was I thought it was great and it did. It made me kind of mad because I was like, here's this guy that can do all this stuff and uh, you just yeah, I didn't like it. It made me upset. I don't want to say I was rooting. I don't want to say I was rooting against you, but yeah. I don't think I need to say it. You wanted um, me dead. Yeah. No, it's great. And now you've gone on to do it. You did a stand up record. This yeah. past year, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. During the, was it during the pandemic that you recorded it? No, no, we actually did it before. It, it got recorded caused um, the pandemic because, well, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, because of and it caused it caused the, okay, it caused the yeah. pandemic. It was the um, but patient we had, zero I, was the original time. <laughs> yeah, you know it's weird. Is my wife? I think was literally patient twelve in Nashville. Oh, really? No joke. Yeah, she was at an event where like fifty people got it before anybody even knew what it was. Yeah. Um, but uh. It, it, we recorded it. My, my manager and a genius, uh, my old manager, who's still a dear friend of mine, and a genius move was like, hey, I did a show at the City Winery. I don't know. This was like 2000, maybe 19 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just he, he was just like, just so you have it, just for posterity, for remembering the jokes, you know, because I don't do it enough that I, I literally I would just forget sort of cadence right. and all, you know, I, probably everybody does if you don't do something well. But um, 
and I, I always just thought it was really funny. Like I'd reference it for, if I was doing a show and remember how I told jokes and I was finally like, I think this is good enough to put out. And so, uh, my new management, I, I sat with them about it and they were like, yeah. And so we released it, but it's actually been, it's probably, you know, three years old now. Um, but it's man, it's just taken. Everybody's listening to it. It's everywhere. I, it's, I mean, I can't. I go can't get away. I can't get anywhere. away from it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now people are just yelling the the stand up jokes at my shows. It's not they. Then these are music shows. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which that gets really awkward. Um, That's what happens to do, Chappelle, they right? I'm, they do the, I'm Rick James. That's what they, they do. just shout out Rick James just, at him the yeah. whole time. Oh god, yeah. brutal. Could you that's imagine? when you're. That's a whole other level of fame where you're like, this is now annoying again. I don't want to get there. I just want to stay under the radar, guys, and I think I'm on my way. I think I can do it. John played me some of your music, uh, John, other John, and uh, it's super enjoyable. I, I like uh, I like your songs. Hey, thank you. I don't. Uh, I uh, I follow you. I think I follow you on social media, but uh, he played like a couple of tracks when we were setting up for the interview, and I was like, this is great. Yeah, he's, well, you know, I've, so much I have done show. this long enough that yeah. when someone says something that, that open ended, like, "Oh, we listen to some of your stuff," I'm yeah. like, "Oof." I mean, <laughs> that could be good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> That's hard, right? Uh, does you guys ever have that where you say um, you have an old song that you're like are tired of playing, but it's somebody's favorite tune, and you're like, "Oh no," and you don't oh, yeah. you don't well, want to like tell that person you're stupid for liking that. I've moved way past that creatively. Yeah. Well, there was actually a song on my my first, I mean, like in quotes, the, my first like major label record called Indiana. I did a, a 10 year anniversary tour of yeah. it where I played the whole record front to back. And there was a song on there that I had refused to play. Like I did not want it to go on my record. Yeah. I hated, I hated this song immediately after we were done writing it. And... So I like took a stance on it that lasted so long <laughs> that I'd never like I forgot what my problem was with this. <laughs> oh, that's good. Literally, yeah. forgot why you heard the night. I think that's why a lot of people night. stay married. They're just like, I forgot why I didn't like you, and so <laughs> let's just let's stick it out. I guess we're good now. We weathered the storm. <laughs> no, like the first night of the uh, so this tour that I did was all solo, and then we ended with an orchestra. But so all these these shows were. We're solo, and you know, like I didn't rehearse this song because I hate this song, but I know it enough to play it. So I, I, I get there, I'm on stage in Seattle, and and I'm like, okay, track three, here we go. I got to play this song, and I sort of like in real time am playing the song, and listening to it, and be like, what, it, what was it? I literally, what was it that I didn't like about this song? I cannot remember. <laughs> like floating above yourself, yeah, trying like to find objections to with your own it. content. <laughs> And as I as we go through and I end the song, I'm like, I kind of like this song. What was I literally don't know what the problem was. <laughs> you fell in love with it all over again. But all the while, like those ten years when people would would be like, Oh my gosh, one of your songs is means so much to me. And the whole time that they're talking, I'm like, please don't say, just give it time. Don't say and then it, and it's it's just give it time. Yeah. Will you play it? We played it at our wedding and yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, oh, that doesn't even make sense that you played it at your it wedding. It doesn't. It's a terrible um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> no, that's interesting. I think I, I, we used to be that way. We put out like three different uh, projects, and there would be somebody that would want something from our first project. And we'd be like, "No, we're not doing that." Yeah, we'll do and it. I think I read a thing about uh, I read an interview with Paul Simon, and he said he used to be that way about early stuff with Simon and Garfunkel. And he said I had to realize that like when you put out something, it's a it's a dialogue, it's not a monologue. So like their hmm. response is a part of the process. Wow. 
And so he goes, yeah. it was so prideful to say that to somebody. Right. And, you know, cause it's like, you're, you're chipping away at something that was a touchstone for their childhood in some cases. Totally. And for no reason. He's just like, why am I doing this? So he stopped doing that. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, f- I feel completely different about it now, even with, I mean, there are definitely songs that I don't love and don't necessarily yeah. want to play, but I don't have that kind of like, you know, dig in my heels, like principled, like I will not play this song. I mean, I, you know. I don't feel that way at all. Anymore. No, I mean, you're a seasoned artist too, because I mean, that would mean you, you also understand you're not, everything's not rising and falling on one piece of your art. Exactly. And I think that's something, you know, I have to remind myself whether it's a book or something. In fact, my, my pastor friend will tell me, he's like, Hey, no matter how you feel, you know, this is not your one shot. Like this yeah. is not, this is not the one thing that's going to define you. So it may feel big in the moment or may feel small in the moment, but it's going to be a whole lot of collective things that come together to make a cumulative uh, part of your life and the art's just one part of that so i right. think yeah over time that's huge oh, to know because now i know that cumulatively yeah. i'm a failure you know? <laughs> you wait but it was whole... a huge it's a tapestry of a lot of little failures yeah. that made up yeah it's not the just failure. the one johnny no yeah, yeah. you're forgetting many, about many, so many times. others yeah. well but you know y'all y'all said this well because the truth is at the time like john mclaughlin because i felt this when i was making my first record You know, to your point, uh, you know, John Driver, this is getting confusing, but um, (laughs) we need name placards below. (laughs) But, you know, like you just said, um, it's not the you know, when you're in the beginning of your career, those things are the only things you've done. So so there's not a cumulative. There's only these 12 windows into who John McLaughlin is or me or whoever. So at the time, it's paramount. Like you feel this at a very egregious level. It's like. Of the 12 things I'm sending out into space, I don't like one of them. You know, then you fast forward to 10 albums, eight albums in, suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, that, you know, I think you you start to your point. You know, you kind of go like, oh, no, there's been a lot and I feel more established in my career. So that moment then that felt paramount is you know, you can almost revisit these moments and go, God, well, to, to your point, John, it's like, why was that? Why did I not like this? Because yeah. at the time yeah. there was context for it, I'm sure. Like you knew. Well, and on, it's like, that is, that is true. Like on the outward facing side of it, you know, like what you're putting out into the world. It's like, if one of those 10 songs, that's 10% of your catalog. That's that exactly right. right. That's exactly But right. now, but, but also what's happening is like, just personally, like, Back during that time when I had that beef with that song, it's like, what was the rest of my day consisting of? Mostly like, I'm focused on my career. I'm writing, I'm rehearsing with a band, we're touring all the time. Now it's like my my life has so much more, I feel like, depth, you know, now that it's, you know, first and foremost is like having kids and being married and all of that kind of stuff. It's like, it is even internally, it's like such a small piece of the pie yeah 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 Yeah, and it's like when you to me it's like golf too it's like you have one good shot in a golf game and it's like i could do that i could get good at this right so it's like if you have one successful thing it gives you a little bit of courage to take the next big risk because like we talked about that one time on our show about like not taking a risk is the biggest risk so like if you stop taking risk as an artist you're dead you're already dead so it's like you have to figure out a way to trick yourself to not just atrophy Creatively. Well, you know, too, mm-hmm. I mean, follow me as we spelunk. This is going to be a deep dive. That was two metaphors. The more I think about this and the older I get, I'm 93 now. Uh, yeah. Wow, I feel <laughs> I've had a lot of work done. I do feel like something 
that is an important thing for creatives to remember is um, we're also trying to work toward a body of work. Right. You know, it's mm -hmm. not just about these single moments. And yes, it is. I mean, like an album release or, or a show or, you know, like a stand-up show or a book. Like, you know, in the moment, it is about those things. You want to promote them. You want to see them mass disseminated or as much as your hope for it is at least. Um, but I think the thing that's hard to remember while you're creating is that there's going to be a day where you look backwards and there's all this stuff you've created. And, and it's this really exciting thing to me to think, you know, it justifies that moment, you know, when you go, Oh yeah, just give it time. And the context of a hundred songs is actually pretty cool to think about, you know, where, when it was in the context of 12, it bummed me out. But I think that's the thing that I think a lot about as I'm getting older and have done this for 20 years now. It's like, I just love thinking at some point there's going to be all this music I've made mm -hmm. that I want to be able to celebrate collectively, like the body of it, just that. And I think sometimes the minutia of that stuff can get us so, you know, tricked out. Like I've been doing, um, John and I've been talking a lot about this, but I've been doing this deep dive on the Beatles and Paul McCartney. And it's so fun. Like I've just taken the last month to just, one, listen to all the Beatles records, but I'm slowly going through all his solo stuff too. And it's just cool to see all this work he's made and to yeah. listen to it that way, not critically go in going, what is every song I like? Or like, what are the songs I hate? And I don't, but just going, I just want to sort of get a feel for the whole thing yeah. and, and work my way through it in a way that's like, wow, you can feel the ebbs and flows and things he was interested in. Some stuff that wasn't quite as cool as some stuff that was, but it's just cool to see it as a whole and take it in that way and not so moment to moment yeah and, you know for all of us assuming you know and even now even if you know something happened to us today and we didn't see tomorrow you still have all the stuff you've done but man you had another 20 or 30 years to each of our lives that's a lot more stuff that we've done so it's fun to me to kind of think in those moments where i can get a little too critical yeah you know it's like hold on man like you know it's it's also about the just the 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 body of it just the whole the whole of it you know that you've put out this stuff into the world that you know, when you take a 30,000 foot view, it's pretty amazing. Like you did all this stuff and it represents mm -hmm. all these emotions. And I want to have like a vault like Prince has where there's so <laughs> much stuff. And then like there's like an award of the state that has to come in and be like, we now are going to give you this. Nothing compares to you demo from 1982. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like he does. They, this yeah. is now, a fit. it's like they unseal it or something. It's like, it's a classified document from Nixon and they go, you're yeah. allowed to see this now. It's yeah, not redacted yeah, yeah. anymore. And you go, Oh, that was pretty good. That's pretty funny. Well, that's, you know, out. McCartney yeah. put out some of what sent me on is he put out this lyrics book, um, uh, in December and I, my wife gave it to me for Christmas. But one of the th reasons that he did it, cause it's all, the, it's like all these old pictures and he sat down with his Pulitzer Prize winning author who helped him kind of write the thing too and put it together because uh -huh. every single lyric has a story with it. So, you know, Blackbird to even his own stuff. Um, but what happened is he sat down with his staff and like basically commissioned them to go to these two or three places. He had all of his memorabilia, like yeah. just his life of collecting things. And there was a million pieces of, there were just a million items between these like storage sheds or his houses or whatever. And they just over, I think a year or two, just slowly kind of like parsed them out. And then he would go look at them and sort of go, Oh, you know, like he found the, he thought he lost the lyric to the first song he ever wrote and he found it, huh. you know, when he was like yeah. 13. So just, wow. you know, to your point, it's like you sort of look back and go, God, Lee, I've done all this stuff. And there's all these little Ebenezer moments of my life where, you know, 
that are crazy to think that, you know, if we all get to keep doing this like we are, that someday that'll be a thing. You kind of go back and go, God, mm-hmm. I don't even remember that song. <laughs> you know? See, it's yeah. got to be hard for songwriters because I think about historically the nature of modern pop music, meaning you have to, you have to nail your thought in a three to five minute, you know, amount of time as yeah. opposed to throughout history, how music was written more in scores, yeah. symphonies and you had a chance to do a longer something with yeah, greater we, movement. We will it down it. to the ADD minds of the eighties, nineties and aughts. Yes, yeah, it really is. Yeah. And it keeps like, getting get to the point. What's the Tom Petty? Get, uh, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And I even think about like Johnny and I talk about this sometimes. I even think about in the last 20 years, there was a day in my life where you only bought whole records, which means you at least yeah. gave the artist a chance to give you 12 songs. Yeah. And now, I mean, it, it's, it's only if it's someone that you're, you know, you can stream the whole record, but usually it's all about the single now, which means yeah. you get fewer and fewer like chances and shots to really affect someone with whatever your message is. And so the pressure, to your point, if you want to have this, this grand, you know, sort of, um, collection of things to look back on it's got to be hard music seems like it's getting harder and harder to do that because man you get these one little shots is how it feels so that's a really interesting thought that's why i like again long form writing just because yeah at least you're gonna get a chance i mean people yeah, don't yeah. read books i mean there's a whole thing about people not reading books which is okay but you right. know you you do it's get a not chance okay john we're gonna stamp <laughs> out illiteracy today today on the show no john and i always talk about on our show and maybe you guys can speak into this but like our job, we're so close, but our jobs are similar, but then like they're polar opposites in one way. And that is it's John's job to take like someone's thought and be really verbose about it and stretch it to 50,000 words. And it's my job to take some like big thought and get it to the yeah. least amount of words yeah, yeah. and still get a laugh. Yeah. 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 And so we have to like, we have like opposite ends that we work from. Yeah. yeah. Both, both are noble pursuits. I really yeah. appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was searching for that. Yeah. One's obviously better than the other, but yeah. So you're saying I shouldn't quit. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, one is just pernicious skullduggery. And so, I don't know. <laughs> pernicious <laughs> skullduggery. Pretty sure he was a wide receiver for Alabama last year. <laughs> it was. That guy's good. That Man, guy's good. So fast. He was a three Man, star. I, Should have been a four star. Yeah, I know. I, I know. feel like, though, with like with those two pursuits, I mean, there, there are, um, just keeping it within music and my mm-hmm. own world and Dave and I's world, you know, like Tom Petty is – Maybe the best example of like saying the most with the least. Yeah, yeah. You know, like she grew up in yeah. an Indiana town, had a good-looking mama who never was around. Like that is always the example that I think of. Where yeah, I'm it's like, perfect. He perfect. said Can't. so yeah. much in that yeah, one yeah, line, yeah. and it's like it, the music is so simple. And maybe if at a glance it seems like very simple, like oh, well, you could whip that out. Like someone at Juilliard could be like. I could write a song like that, but then you, you, you try it out and it is really a skill. Like it is something that, yeah, even the, that whole band, even the guitar parts, it's like, it's not that they're impressive. It's that it's the right notes. It's the right. Yeah. There's nothing in there that doesn't play a a role. There's nothing that, that, that doesn't need to be in there. But then of course, you know, like the, I grew up, uh, studying like classical music and I still, to this day, I mean, I love classical music more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to more long form yeah. kind of pieces, like movements of pieces. And um, and it's just, you know, we, we so quickly like 
think of things in a binary fashion and one is you either like this or you don't at best or at worst one of one of these things is good and one of the other is bad but i you know i like i see i see the uh beauty in in both of them for sure well and i think that that that's exactly that's a more eloquent way of trying to say what i was saying a second ago i think you know my encouragement to any of us that do the creative thing and are you know putting together bodies of work or whatever is that, and it's evidenced, you know, in me with this Paul McCartney thing is like, I didn't really grow up on the Beatles. My dad had rubber soul and that's, you know, we listened to that, but that's all I really, I mean, I knew them because to be a human is to know even by osmosis, right. you know, to know the Beatles, but definitely didn't know his solo stuff very well, other than the stuff everybody knows or wings or whatever. But it's interesting that you can go back and enjoy these where maybe before you didn't, you know, that's another thing I think mm-hmm. is so cool about what we all do is it's not just binary. It's not just a one uh, mm. chance to bypass something like that. That's what I love about doing this is like, I just want to put it out there and trust God with the rest of it. Like yeah. it's not my job to it, it to some degree it is to exploit it, but not really. It's like, I, I want to be right. responsible with my so gifts. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, what's so exciting me about, about music, about, you know, anything that's recorded, you know, be it in written form or, or audio, but it always has a chance to be enjoyed, to be, to be, um, interacted with. And I think that's, what's so fun about it that keeps me sometimes from the dark nights of the soul where I'm like, you know, spiraling because it's yeah. not working like I want it to, mm-hmm. but to go, you just never know. You just never know if some kid, you know, in, in Michigan, 10 years from now happens upon John McLaughlin, never heard of John before. And just does like this huge deep dive on the whole catalog mm-hmm. and is like, Oh my God, God, how did I never know about this guy and inspires his music or his life yeah. or whatever? And so I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about it that's hard to keep yeah. for me discipline around and how I think about it, which is to go, that's cool. it's not just now, it's not just temporal, it's not binary, it's a kind of ever living thing that I'm creating that, that, that could have a million lives that I never even know about. You know, I'll tell you the mm-hmm. other thing that's crazy too with what we do. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, but when you think about your friends and your kids or whatever, um, that, you know, what we will have created will be around long after we will. And mm-hmm. that someday my, you know, my, my oldest son, when he's 70 could go, you don't want to listen to my dad's second record again. You know, like that's crazy to me. Yeah. So I think that's a really powerful. It's like a little love letter too. to them. It, it's exactly right. right. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly right. And that's a powerful thing. I don't think about that a lot. And I think like, and then if, you know, who knows what music and, the interaction with music will be like a hundred years now. My, my great grandkids could be doing that. And I think, you know, that that's a really powerful thought. I think one to legacy and the way we work and what we're trying to create and being accountable to knowing that people will interact with it. So we want to be responsible, but I think too, just knowing it's just fun to get stuff out. That's one more touch point for people to get to interact with you as a, as a person that either is alive or was at one point, you know, it's a pretty mm-hmm. powerful thought. I just yeah. need people to find me now. Right? I don't want them to find me 10 years from now when I've already had to go back to Costco. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I thought you were going to say college. I just, or college, whichever one. Costco is a college of sorts. You know? It is. You know, there's yeah. a lot to learn there. That's for there's sure. There's a lot to learn. Costco is the only place, you know, you guys are doing Urban Outfitters. It's the only place I like to shop. And the reason is yeah. I can't try on clothes there. I just have to buy them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're, in a, you're in a warehouse. Yeah, you're like, right. Sorry, sorry, honey. Uh, you just got to be like, I think I'm a large today because yeah. this is what we're getting. That's what's on sale. 
Wow. Have you ever like? Have you ever? This happened to me. This is why these Geico commercials are genius. Like, as grown men now, have y'all ever just looked up when you're in Costco? This happens to me a lot now. Like, I'll be in Kroger or I'll be in some you know large store, and I will literally do that thing where I look up and like, this is a humongous room. <laughs> like, I literally was at Costco like a couple months ago, and I, I literally looked up and was like, look at the size of this building. <laughs> like, who built this build? Like, I was like. Oh, this is – I am the yeah. guy they're making fun of yeah. in those commercials. How many parking spaces did they oh, have to Oh, that's exactly – What an exactly. architectural marvel this what's rectangle box is. I mean, like, yeah. what's the overhead? <laughs> just, it's you're talking about it's that yeah. same energy. thing in the, in the wintertime? What's the monthly on that? <laughs> that's exactly yeah. you what imagine? I mean. No, like, I say that all the time. I'd be like, I, if I'm in a restaurant and the, and the burger's expensive, I'll go, yeah, but can you imagine what the rent is here? That's why this burger's $12. Like, that's an old man. That is an old man's thing. It is. It is. No kid would ever be like, I wonder what the rent is here at yeah. Burger Republic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Hey, and speaking of becoming, again, our parents, guys, Dadville. Dadville, uh, mm. wonderful podcast. You guys Thank do. You. An that, was a, that was a fantastic segue. That was a really good segue. How do you do it? I didn't see it coming. Hey, this is what you get at episode 200. I mean, like, Gosh, you just man, done it. There's so much. honed it down to a point. That's uh, right. That's right. But no, I mean, seriously, man, just, just love it. Love what you bring. Uh, really appreciate your vulnerability. Um, cause it's fun. And I, you know, <laughs> this is going way back when I was a youth pastor for like 15 years, I was remembering the other night, the first night I had the kids, I was like, guys, the most fun thing, I'm going to take you all over the country, all over the world. We're gonna have a great time. The most fun thing that's ever going to happen. It's like, be real with one another and with Jesus. Like it's going to be a blast. And I feel like you guys bring this, hey, it, it, it is so much fun to not hide. It is so much fun mm-hmm. to, you know, now I'm, I'm quoting some of your, your, the things you say to yourself for who I am when I'm real, all those things. Like I'm quoting your albums a little bit, but that, that sort of concept of allowing dads, especially, like there is a huge, and I know you know this, but allowing dads uh, to, and we said this when I was on your show a little bit, like I am shocked how out of control I feel as a dad after being with thousands of kids for years and years. And all the cliches feel like that they're chasing me because I don't normally ascribe to cliches. We're like, oh, wow, this is true. Like, this is way harder. And any dad out there who does have it together, I'm super suspicious of him. I'm like, yeah, what are you faking? You know? Oh, yeah. So right. that just like feeling that somebody's out there going, hey, this is what it's like. And you're not just giving advice. You're not just giving like, hey, this is how you do it. Like <laughs> You're going... Hey, how do, how do we do this? You know, and, mm-hmm. and that was one of my questions to you, like from the show and it's a really broad question, but I mean, you know, you're, you're pretty far into this now, you know, what, what are kind of your general impressions of, uh, you know, I've really taken away X and wisdom or, or this, I mean, you don't have to be tips and things like that, but just what has it done to affect you truly on your journey, uh, talking to so many people and, and garnering so many stories and, and so many different perspectives? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think, I think a, a thought that I have that is kind of a recurring thought as we've been doing this for about a year and a half or so is that it's like, uh, it's kind of what you've kind of outlined. It's like, you know, for, for the parents out there who care, which hopefully it's, you know, all of us, this is the thing you care about on this earth, probably more than any, anything else is, is your kids. And I think that dads, especially guys, especially have a hard time expressing that for whatever reason, you know what I mean? Like culturally or whatever, it's just not as easy for us to be vulnerable with each other. And so I think 
I love that. I mean, that's what I get out of it. And I love that we are in some small way, Dave and I are doing our part to say to all the guys out there, like, Hey, we're, we're talking about this stuff. Like, it's okay for me to say how, you know, scared I am about X, Y, and Z with my kids or how I'm failing in these ways. Or like, these are the things that I daily think about. Like, it's actually helpful for me with our guests. And we have, you know, a range of like musician friends on to like more expert kind of, uh, you know, counselors and stuff like that. For me to actually just kind of like voice like the things that keep me up at night, the things that I'm laying in bed at night thinking like, am I doing this wrong? To kind of like keep that in the forefront of my mind, you know, and, and on my tongue uh, is so helpful for me. And I mean, I would say the thing that I think about probably the most in terms of like what I've tangibly learned is, and this is one of many things, but I, I have realized, um, I think it was Stephen James that we had on that that pointed out like, hey, the, the thing that you're worried about with your kid, nine times out of 10, that's probably your own issue that you're mm-hmm. putting putting on your kid's behavior. Like it was a specific situation that I was talking about where one of my kids wasn't playing with other kids. You know, and I was in this meeting with all the dads and I'm like, ah, is she making friends? Is she making friends? And he's like, she, your daughter's fine. Like she's out there playing with leaves. You know, she's taking the petal right off of a flower, you know, as we Uh, say. That kid's got talent. She's got talent. She's got it, you know. And for an 18 year old is especially impressive. Right. Without a weed eater. This yeah, is just no just, weed. Well, she had a I weed said, eater. Don't use your teeth, sweetie, but she doesn't listen. <laughs> so <laughs> weed eater with no gas. Just swinging it. <laughs> just swing it. Yeah, but that's, I, I think about that all the time. And that's just, that's one on a, a, a long list of things that I've learned from guests and just from Dave and I just talking about stuff as well. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, th- I think, um, I mean, really the reason that we want to do it was because we really do talk about this stuff with our friends a lot. Like, <laughs> My friends that are dads, we talk about our kids a lot, and I, I don't know if that's normal or un, you know unusual, but um, it just felt like this would be cool to do with other people. Uh, and like John said, I mean, I, they're they're probably like if we really we actually have done this every now and then, we'll sit and kind of go, okay, what are the things we feel like we've learned? Uh, but there are a ton, but but not just there are a lot of them, but they really have changed how I think about my kids and how I parent, which is you know, as you guys know, doing a podcast is really fun and can be totally, um, you know, trivial in a wonderful way, just like Mm -hmm. talking about things and having a good time. But I don't think I really, um, I think I underestimated how much it was going to have an effect on me. Like these pieces of wisdom, these pearls that sort of get passed down in conversation, um, with any of our guests, you know, like everybody has some thing to say that's really profound, you know? And so, um, it's really cool how much I will re- those things become new things for me. Like they get stuck into my circuitry yeah. and it becomes how I think about life, you know? And, and, and so that, that's something I think has been really, especially fun is kind of realizing like, man, I just thought this would be a really fun thing to do with John and have guests on and, and, you know, laugh and hear some great stories and some serious stuff, whatever. And I think in retrospect, I'm like, man, I really did not know how much people are going to say things that like, drastically changed how I think, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's really fun that way. Uh, and you know, I mean, this is, this is kind of the cheesy 
thing to say, but it's true. I just think dads really matter, man. They really, 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 really matter. And I think, you know, John and I, I think are especially proud of knowing that we're trying to add to that conversation. You know, we're trying to kind of fly that banner as much as we can that, you know, it's like that Brian Regan bit about dads. Like he gets caught in the, you know, there's always commercials yeah. with like my idiot husband and he's back in the shades. Like <laughs> I can't get out of the shade, you know, yeah. which is funny. You know, it's like yeah. modern family picked up. Everybody loves show. Raymond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and there's truth to that. And I think that's why it's so funny. But I think at the same time, you know, um, the gift of being a parent and, and being a dad, namely for, for our example is it's, it's a, it's amazing the, the potency it has and how much it matters is I think for us, it's, it's um, something we get excited about, you know, kind of banging that drum over and over. And I, I think it's encouraging to see people really resonate with it. You know, you see these dads that kind of go, this is a safe place for me to go and yeah. experience that because maybe it's not something in their normal lives that they get to do a lot or whatever. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I think again, you're normalizing a lot of good conversations. Yes, there you go. Right? Yeah. There you it's go. really That's good. You guys are, it needs to be something we're trying to, anything in the church world, normalizing words like, and we're talking about on another podcast episode, words like brokenness, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like eye roll to that from a lot of people because it sounds like, oh, well, hey, we all got issues, all got problems, you know, quit whining. And and there's a truth to that. Like, how do you, how do you live? And I was thinking of that scripture about Paul said, you know, uh, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. And right. I, I hear that guys. I don't hear that verse at all. It's been used so many times. Yeah than everything I've ever done. And what he's really saying, you could just interchange the words like, Hey, I, I boast in my brokenness is what mm. he's saying. And that, if you, if you bring it and normalize that into sort of the modern context of how we're trying to approach and don't just, you know, gloss over the ancient texts that we have constantly heard, you know, things get repeated so much, they stop meaning something to you. And so yeah. it comes to that place of going, yeah. look, what does this really mean? And I think anytime somebody is, is, saying, Hey, look, we're not, we're not, um, controlled or we're not losing because of the weakness. We're, we're winning. (laughs) Uh, We had this opportunity to win because of, of the right relationships with God and with others around us. Um, but in the middle of that, there's this beauty that comes out, uh, because I'm willing to acknowledge that I, I need something. And I think saying that I need something and here you say, yeah, I didn't know I'd be enriched by so many people adding things to me. I mean, that's just, that's beautiful. And I think that's, that's our mission, you know, as well. I mean, you know, I don't think Johnny has a mission actually. I think he's just, no, I, I talked to this a while ago. And he's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'm off mission and uh, I'm off my notes. Honestly. <laughs> off mission. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, no, I do. I think, I, I, <laughs> no, I think vulnerability is huge and it's a big part of what, um, comedy is all about honestly if you're doing it right because yeah. it's like in any art it's like you you grow up trying to hide all your weaknesses from everybody because you're afraid like they're not broken like i am and if i show them what i really am they won't appreciate me or they won't care about me and then you start doing this job i remember the first time i was on stage and i remember thinking to myself like i used to have this picture of myself when i was 17 when i had a mullet haircut and like a purple rayon suit and it was horrifying and i remember I like tried to get rid of all of those proof that that photo was ever out there. I remember I was on stage one day and I was thinking to myself, I wish I could find a copy of that photo. Mm. It would be a funny thing to put on the screen behind me for this bit. And I knew I'd kind of turned a corner of like the things that I would have hidden in the old days now are like, this is what I need to show because there are people out there that had mullet haircuts and purple suits too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they need to know that like, we're all 
dealing with insecurities. We're all weirdos. We all have horrible things we wish we could forget in our childhood. It's like the minute you tap into that, that's when you really are making art, you know, and mm-hmm. you're really kind of mm-hmm. t- tapping into who you are and you're becoming more self-aware. And so if you just try to be the cool guy on stage, like audiences don't care for that. Yeah. Because they know they're not cool. And they're like, what's this guy's deal? Right. Like they want to see, they want to see that you bleed like them. Right. You know, you know, we, yeah. we interviewed, um, um, Donald Miller a couple of weeks ago and yeah. he had it just put out a book where he is talking about all these literary like, uh, elements and like different characters. And, and it reminded me of when he was talking about the hero of every story. He's like, any story you take, the hero is always like, I hope I'm not butchering this, but I, he's like the second weakest, you know, character in the story. It's not mm-hmm. like they are like, they're not out there just crushing it the whole time. That's the, that's a boring movie. Who would, who would want to see that? There always is struggle, you know, like that's what we want to see. That's the whole reason why everyone's in the theater or, you know, listening to the song or whatever. There's got to be some sort of like vulnerability there. That is the thing that we just immediately connect on, you know? And it's just interesting that it's so prevalent in art like so prevalent, but it just can't, we can't translate it over to just everyday life. There's yeah. those, those masks just immediately. Come yeah, up, you you're know? right. Yeah. In art, we can see it, but then when we, when we live our everyday lives, we still think we need to be the hero of our own story. Always. Yeah. Always. We have to put up a mask. We have to be like, yeah, we have to be a superhero. Well, you put into ministry terms in our world. I mean, the Mars Hill story that everyone's talking about, um, I have seen in my own life, and I'm a third generation pastor, I have not seen someone quite as maybe gifted and as intelligent as Mark Driscoll. But I have met hundreds, if not thousands of pastors that would have had the same outcome if they had as much giftedness and intelligence Yeah, because they needed to be the hero. Yeah, And they were told that. I'm not dogging the guy. I'm telling you, like in, in ministry, you're told no one tells you to do that, but there's a, wrote a book once. Reinforced. We talked about the deal. Hey, listen, I'm going to be the smarter one, the more spiritual one. I'm going to have all the answers and you're going to just want to get through your week and you show up on Sunday and I'm going to spend my time prepping. I'm going to be funny or intelligent or thoughtful. Or I'm going to well-read, whatever it's going to be, or I'm going to condemn you and scream at you, whichever one you want, depending on the type of church you like. You show up, you pay your tithe, I get a paycheck, and we'll just keep telling each other we're doing what Jesus wants. And like that deal, when you, people don't like it. I have discovered we've become a place where we're way more open about, hey, guys, we're shepherding one another. And I just happen to get, I just happen to be the one who does this vocationally, but we're shepherding one another. And you start, I was on a call this morning with someone like, look, I'm going to come into this meeting with you guys but you really don't need me. I'm just there to support, you know, and to help. When in the old days, I would have been like, look, I got a thousand ways I can fix this right now. And it, and it feeds that, that, like you said, Johnny said, that, that sort of hero narrative within me um, that you just really can't keep up with. Mm-hmm. It never, it never actually works out. You can build, yeah. you can, you can gain followers, if you will. That's really what a lot of church was for me for years. You're gaining followers, but you're not, you're not really making disciples. <laughs> you know, you're, right. you're just getting people to follow where you go as opposed to them knowing where to go. Uh, it's just a, it's just an interesting I mean, getting out of that mindset. I found at least church people, like you said, it doesn't translate from art very well. A lot of church people don't want it. 
They're yeah. like, man, just let me show up and tell me what to do. Like, stop all this where we're going to yeah, you know, give me a life hack. Yeah. Give me right. a life hack. Well, I think in yeah. our, you know, the equivalent in our world is you, you want celebrities. You don't want, yeah. I told a friend of mine yesterday um, at lunch, we were talking about this. And I said, you know, we, you know, as a society, we're idol makers. And so in our world, in our music world, the version of that is like, if you're really good, what society is going to do is they're going to get you and they're going to put you over here. Like if you're really good at what you do, and this is in any industry, but in ours, that's all I know. So, man, this guy's really good. Now, thank you for being amazing. And now you're over here because I don't want you around us. I want you to be special. I want you to be like this iteration of God that's way down here, but you're still a reflection of it because you're transcendent and your gifts and all this thing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to put you over here because if you're like us, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't, I need something I can look to that's bigger than me. That's better than me. That's kind of, and, and, and I told a group of young artists this one time, I said, you know, if you're really good at what you do and you have success, people are going to put you over here and now they're going to put you over there. They're going to build a wall around you that you have to mm-hmm. get up every day and knock down because yeah. that's where you're powerful is and how you're similar, not in how you're different, but there's gonna be a part of your brain that's going to go, no, but it's really cool to be different. Cause that means you're special. And, you know, the insecurity and the sin in all of us. And so I think that the weird thing about that, to your point, it happens in the church. I mean, you know, I'm a pastor's kid, too, and you see this a lot. But uh, it's it's really humbling when you realize how much the people around us that really are good at things, we actually don't want them to be like us or be around us. We want them to be separate. We want them to be something we can idolize and look at. Because the minute we see that they're fallen and they it's it's a bummer. It's like. Well, no, I, I need you to be Jesus, and 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 then it sort of kills the paradigm. So it's a, it's an interesting struggle to have to walk through whatever the context is, is realizing like we as people really do have this thing that we do where we're like, we need you to be different. And I think as you create, and with us, you know, the four of us who are creators, you know, that that's always the hardest thing is because the nature of what we do really is benevolent at its best. Like we want to give, we want to speak life into, we want to. Uh, connect. We want to commune around what we've been given to do, like our giftings. But the problem is in, in different industries, that's the, you get the exact opposite when you're good at it. You yeah, know, you yeah. get, you get pushed out, you get set apart. And and I think scary, right. you know, like we see in the Bible so much, but you look at King David, whoever the examples are like, you're also going to be tempted to relish in that and celebrate it and, you know, yeah. get the good, you know, extract all the cool things from that about how you get to be the cool guy or girl, whatever. But I think as creators, the best we can ever be is to be communal and benevolent with the giftings that, that, and service oriented, you know, we're trying to make people feel good or sing along or have a place to go in are sad or learn about racism in a book, you know, whatever it is to go, this is my chance to serve you and to help the common good. But I think there's always that other momentum that the world brings that we just naturally do as humans, which is to go like, no, no, I don't want you to be around me. It's weird, but I want you to be someone that's like over there doing your thing, you know? Well, it's hard not to have your someone set their heart on something. I think that's a key phrase from scripture. If you set your heart on something, yeah, if you could set it over there and then, like you said, put your hope on it. I was thinking about a scripture's weird. It says, if, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. So like, it's kind of circumstantial. It's not saying riches are good or riches are bad. It's just saying, look, and I don't think riches is just money, certainly not ancient times, but you know, if, if success increases, that's, that can be good. Make sure you don't set your heart on it. Uh, I even think about Jesus sending the disciples out to do miracles and they came back and he said, Hey, that's great. Make sure you keep rejoicing in the right things. Yeah. Rejoice in this relationship I have that your names are written in the right place and I've redeemed you. And I think that's that constant daily struggle, especially as creatives is not to, (laughs) set my heart on the thing my heart is so involved in 
I have to I have to like separate and bring back and not get other people to realize whether we said whether it's recovery or the Enneagram or anything that we're using, that these are just tools and you can make them into your idols or into your little guys that you think will, will change the way that you see the world and live. But only, only actually God can do that. So therefore we're just going to use these tools to lead you to the one who can, or, or show you better places of your own self where you can invite him into those places. So, well, I think it's anything that we can interact with is always going to get idolized. Like, I right. think that's the thing about Christendom that is so tricky is yeah. we're dealing with a God you can't see, right. you can't touch. I mean, ultimately uh, so, we just want something that we can figure out. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that we can interact with. And so I think that's that's the that's the great it's the great bait and switch in a wonderful way of Christendom. It's the thing where God's like, no faith matters here. Because you really gotta believe this. Because if you believe it, you're gonna act in a way that causes you to pray, causes you to read the Bible, it causes you to commune together, to worship together. And I think it's just hard to do that, man. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read your Bible. It's hard to get still. It's hard to be with people and be vulnerable. And so we're always going to go for that iteration that we can get close to that feels like that, mm-hmm. that gives yeah. us the thing without us having to do the the faith work. You know? yeah. And yeah. so it's always like, I just think that's some of God's genius. These are the things I get older. I'm just like, God, you little tricky. Okay. And in such a wonderful way, I'm like, I just love that he's like, no, it can't be like that. Because if it's like that, then you're not going to do it. Like you have to. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to pray. You got to learn how to be still. You got to learn how to read. You got to, you know, and it's like, but I don't want to. <laughs> you yeah. know? I just want to. We like, talk about that a lot about, we talk about that a lot about how, like, this generation and John and not my, our generation before it, the, the, the idea of mystery, it started to lose its luster to us. Like, mm. we figured out the internet. We can Google things. We know everything. Yeah. And so it's hard for us to, like, abide that with God. We're just like, yeah, but I want, to know all the, we want the listicle of God. We want the life hack of God. Mm. And God's like, no, there's a lot that you couldn't even handle it if I told you. That's all right. Of it. That's right. And so, but we're we're so put out with that more than we ever have been before. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, we're yeah irritated like I, by it. I saw the church's heads explode when I was speaking Sunday, Johnny. I don't think you were there because I, I, I think you're a sinner. But yeah, um, <laughs> no, was, yeah. It's something. There's there's some reason. Sin. That was one of the reasons. And, and <laughs> And I was like, hey, regardless of your thoughts on, you know, creationism, literal, six day, all these things. Hey, guys, if God's eternal, you know, he was doing something 500 million years ago, right? 500 billion years ago. What? And they were like, oh. but you know what? He, <laughs> he didn't tell us what it was. Yeah. And all we know is, and the whole point is that all we know is, is he was loving the son. But that's the one right. thing we're very aware that he was doing. That's, that's what the, right. the nature of the father. But like the idea that we don't know. And it's yeah. like, what, you, what the Bible tells us everything. Well, no, the Bible does not. Right. <laughs> everything yeah. the Bible says to us is true, but it's not like an exhaustive textbook. Yeah. And it's not Google. Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not meant to be so searchable that all the mysteries of yeah. the universe. It's, and I think we've sold that to, to modern it's Christians. Weird. It's, it's like God's the parent. It's like, you know. God's the parent, like, that, because my mom told me this. I remember having a conversation with my mom when uh, I was a teenager and she was showing me like old photos from her high school yearbook or something and it was blew my mind to see my mom as a teenager and she looked at me and she said you think you're you think my life began when you were born don't you mm. and i'd never mm-hmm. thought of it in that way but that's what we're doing with god we're like yeah, yeah. god god exists when i thought of him when i you know when yeah. i think that the earth yeah. was created that's when god came of use to me and so now this is the box that i put him in you know right but. well guys man, thank you so much for uh the time you gave us today tell us what do you want uh, our listeners and our viewers uh, 
where, where can they find you? What, 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 what did it tell you about your current projects you'd like for them to go check out? I mean, if you want right now, all that stuff about your heart, put it aside. Yeah. Just the sell Please product. let's get the 800 number down there. <laughs> Why doesn't dad bill have an 800 number, Dave? It should. Nobody would call. My mom would toll free, call. you guys. It would be you and me calling each other. <laughs> That'd be great. That's so Hello? Great. Oh, John, no, it's me, Dave. Oh, it's you. Uh, okay. Hey, can you I borrow your mower? Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I am. So I just just put out a, a new record. It's called it's All really the Things good. I Say to Myself. It's really Dave, good. Dave and I wrote uh, co wrote a couple songs on there. Those and, are the two songs I didn't like. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you emailed me and asked for a version without those songs. You should collaborate on less. That. John actually has moved his beef um, from uh, from Just Give It Time to those songs. Now he's yeah, that energy's got to go somewhere. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I I just put that out, and uh, so f- for me, it's uh, it's Dadville and that new record. Dave's got some stuff that he's been working on. Are you Dave? Are you allowed to to say what you're working on? Are you right to yeah, talk about it? I uh, I'm running for Senate. Um, that is amazing. So yeah, yeah. Yep, and but the Star Wars in it. Um, oh, so it's me and Palpatine. That's different. It's going to be a tough one. Um, no, I, I, uh, I'm doing. This has been really fun. Boy, talk about kind of a cathartic thing. I was telling John about this the other day, but I'm doing um, kind of like a retrospective acoustic greatest hits album. If I mean, technically, you need hits, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there, that is a hits Who means says? a lot of things. Who said? You know, yeah. it means it a lot more. of things. Songs yeah. people have listened to is one of the things that I sort of refer to as a hit. Um, but I, I, I'm almost done with that. Um, super excited about that. And that was one of those like um, I think it informed even this conversation because sitting in the studio re-recording a bunch of them was just really sweet. Like I, I didn't expect to be so moved by remembering how much I love these songs and. And I think especially, you know, again, in retrospect, going, gosh, I built a career on these things, you know, like these yeah. were the sturdy bricks that were the first to sort of get laid down, you know, and and they're still, and I'm, praise the Lord, I still am proud of them because I know, you know, that's not always the case, you know. So, um, so putting that out, um, um, that's maybe the first time I've announced that. So congrats, guys. You guys. You guys get the, you guys Episode get the, um, 200. There you go. Yeah. Um, Yes, yeah, so doing that. Sturdy then... Bricks was the name of our band, by the way. Uh-huh. We were the Sturdy yeah, Bricks. Sturdy yeah. Bricks. Bricks. Give it up. Yeah. For... I assume that was funk. Yeah. Uh, classical, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Uh, yeah, and then and then like John said, doing lots of Dadville stuff, and then um, yeah, that, that that acoustic thing is kind of the big thing. We're doing some. I can't announce yet what we're doing. We're doing like a fun little live experience thing around that that we'll be announcing here soon. But um, but that's been really fun. It's been a blast to kind of um, be remembering and sort of re-releasing those songs. It's it, John and I have laughed. I don't know. Th- this is one of the things that's quirky about being a creative that does kind of get <laughs> pretty hysterical. It's like, you know, a lot of these songs I released, you know, 20 years ago mm-hmm. and man, like reference. Cause you know, I don't really drive around listening to my old music and I've had to reference the songs because I'm just remembering like, I need to make sure because the melodies have morphed and, you know, I, I, how I play them now has changed a lot. And so I'll pull up the old songs and listen. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the worst vocal in the history of time. <laughs> you know, like, and so it's been really, John and I were laughing about that. Like, John shaking his head. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> I can't. I, so I just did a thing where I played uh, six of my albums <laughs> in six shows all in one venue 
all in one weekend oh, wow. with my band. And I didn't reference songs. I, I can't go back and listen to them. I'll just be like, at rehearsal, my band will tell me what that, like, oh, we used to go to this. Oh, right, right, right. I haven't listened to that record in That's 11 funny. years, you know? Yeah. And even now, like, we we multicam uh, filmed everything. We have, we you know, we have, like, good audio. And the guys in the band are all, we're all texting each other. And they're like, oh, it sounds great. Like, they send me the links. I'm like, guys, I'm not, I'm never going to watch this. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I don't want to see nope. it. Nope. I hope nope. it looks great, but I... I will not watch it. I just yeah. can't do it. That has been one of the things that I didn't see. For as much as I've been gra- you know, grateful sitting in the studio, remember these songs sitting in my studio here even singing them. Man, I'll pull up. I'm like, how did that second part of that melody? Oh, my gosh. Oh, stop. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll just Why remember didn't that. Why did someone tell me to open my mouth? Can gosh, I sing? Man, alive. Oh. Man, alive. Anyway. <laughs> Well, thank so, you guys, guys. check out some of our early stuff. It sounds great. These <laughs> <laughs> are great sales, sales pitches. Uh, that's so true. No, it's awesome. Hey, yeah, for real, guys, go and check them out, man. Go go subscribe to Dadville. Uh, go anywhere you get music and listen to these incredible albums. And uh, stuff's coming. We're very excited for. And uh, it also, you can also check out our podcast. Uh, if you haven't yet, if you're just listening to audio and you haven't gone to the YouTube page yet, go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Right, Johnny? And what else that's can they right. find there? Oh, they can find the patreon link if you want to kick in a few shekels if you feel mm. so led stretch Even your hands towards the screen won't you mm. come on uh, if not we know it's a hard time for people but uh, not for a lot of you some of you really flourished during the pandemic and we expect you know more who you of are. you you know who you are and let's yeah. let's pitch in won't we like the litter can says um <laughs> anyway so you can do that you can find all the archived episodes 200 guys to binge Jeez, for all your amazing. binging needs Congrats. i feel come so on. honored that we're on your we 200th talked- episode yeah, it's completely uh, accidental. But uh, no, 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 wait, can I, I can it, before we sign off? Can I can I be the podcaster guy and ask y'all what were your what you each get three? What were the three most memorable moments of the podcast? Two hundred, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I have three. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh... no. You know, it has been fun though because I didn't know what I thought it would be, and one thing I thought would happen was we'd run out of stories. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. and I thought, well, if we don't do a ton of research, we're going to run out of stories, and we're going to tell the same story, you know, ten times in ten episodes or something. And it really hasn't happened. I don't know why, uh, but we just we have a lot of fun doing it. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's really why we started doing it. It's just like you guys, we were already having these kind of conversations yeah, yeah. with each other. And we're like, and then we had another friend who said, you guys should be taping these. And so we just mm. started doing it. And, uh, yeah. And so here we are and, uh, it's changed the world <laughs> <laughs> in no way whatsoever. But yeah. I get to hang out with my best friend every week. Uh, and then that's cool. Um, mm. and then I really, there's something I'm archiving also our memories because there's not a story we, we haven't oh, told. Oh, that's true. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go, yeah. oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Got- there is something with that because like my brother listens and we're close, but he'll listen and I can tell he's getting like a side of my personality that he might not otherwise get. Yeah. And my wife listens yeah. and she'll be like, you told this story today. And it's like she's seeing this side of the prism of me that only like John gets to see really because uh-huh. I'm just being vulnerable with John. And I don't, I just, you kind of forget that the tape is rolling. And so you go, oh, wow, yeah, I'm just saying those things. And then, so other people in your life get to see the whole, so yeah, there's this 200 hours of me, like saved in a time capsule of like, this is the, like, whatever you think about me, like, it's the real me. So I think that's probably good. 
Yep. Well, and again, and since you told us to say three apiece, this is all your fault, Dave. They were going long. But um, I think for me, one of the reasons I started the podcast is 15 years in youth ministry. There's a whole lot of stuff I wish I would have said Hmm. to the kids. And I know that the two other things I do in life, they don't, they don't do. They don't listen to sermons and they don't read books. And so one of the reasons I started this was there's a lot of, of, repenting a lot of like openness about, Hey, I, I wish I would have grounded them more in the love of God than the love of pastor John, uh, all good intentions, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a central gospel sort of center that, 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 that was given to me yet, uh, that I'm, I'm growing into. And so this has been sort of a lifeline. So when it, when one of my former students who's 30 now or whatever with kids reaches out and says, Oh yeah, Hey, I listen to that. That's, that's a pretty big deal to me. It's a little redemptive. Dave, it's like if you could go back and fix that bad vocal. Yeah. That's, what, that's what John's doing. I'm fixing he's going vocal. back and he's throwing auto-tune on his old sermons. Listen, you laugh, but that's what that's what this this record for me is as much anything. It's like, no, this is what this should have sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Well, guys, well, congrats, thank you so guys. Much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. having us on. This Thanks really for joining fun. us. It's great to meet you guys uh, in person or in, uh, well, this is as close to in person as we get in these dark yeah, times. It counts in, in this yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you guys for giving the time. And uh, hey, thanks all of you who listened to us this week. And as always, we'll see you next week on Talk About That. The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.